Hey folks, Jamie here, and welcome to another awesome episode of the Trainer Mind Podcast. And as always, I've got another fantastic guest for you today. My guest for you today is Steve Bradley, aka The Fitness Guy. I've known Steve for a long time now, and his story has always inspired me. We talked about never being too old to achieve your dreams. We talked about work-life balance, and most importantly, the inevitable crash that so many business people have when trying to build their empire. This is such a great episode with lots of knowledge bombs to take away. Enjoy. Ladies and gents, it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today, Mr. Steve Bradley, aka the fitness guy. Steve, how are you? I'm very good, mate. How are you? Tongue tongue tied. It took me three attempts to get that introduction out. <laughs> no, I was enjoying that. <laughs> I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. It's, it hasn't, it, I, I would, uh, you know, I could come up with the excuse of, oh, it's been a long day, but it hasn't. <laughs> it's been a quite relaxing day, to be honest. So I haven't even got an excuse for it. But how are you? Yeah, very good. Very good. It's been a while since we've caught up. So I'm really looking forward to this chat. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think it was 2017. And of course, a lot of things have changed for you since then, which, we're, of course, we'll get into. But one of the main things I've always been inspired about um you Steve is something that a lot of trainers or potential trainers or somebody who's spent a long time in a career is always afraid to do and it's get a gut feeling that something's not right and some and and wanting to make a change um and I wanted you to kind of start with talking a little bit about when that was and kind of what made you do it because you know, you probably could have had every excuse under your belt as to why you shouldn't or that wouldn't be a good idea to do. Yeah. Well, my story is probably a little bit different to the majority of fitness professionals in that I didn't get into the fitness industry until I was 30, which was 14 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was in retail, first of all. So I spent 10, 10 years in retail and then I, I got a job in a gym. Big commercial city centre gym, 4,000 members as general manager. Um, and then being in that environment made me fall in love with the fitness side of it. So within two years, did my personal training qualification, became a personal trainer. So I was working in the gym as the, the GM full time and doing a bit of PT on the side. And as this kept going, I became more and more excited about the fitness side, helping people with meal plans, workouts, improving people's lives. And I thought more and more about it. And then what was holding me back was I had a good job. I had a really good job. I'd built up to it. I'd worked hard. I'd taken a lot of chances and it was a good salary. Um, I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't get up every day and think, oh, here we go again. I got up every day and thought, yeah, good. I'm going into a place where I want to work with people I want to work with, do the job that I like doing. But anyway, it, I got to 40. So th this went on for a good, you know, seven years without me having a real desire to make a change. But then I got to 40 and thought, you know, I, I need to do this now because this is what I think I was meant to do. I feel much more rewarded by helping people with health and fitness rather than getting more members in the gym and getting good customer feedback from the gym users. So everybody told me not to do it, but I decided I was going to walk away from that job um, and basically start at the bottom as a PT. I had 20 clients because that's all I could manage at the time because I was working evenings and weekends. Um, so I just thought I'm going to do it. Just, I have to do it. And I just took a chance. And when I decided I was going to do it, the next day I went in and I handed in the notice. And this was about September. And it says I'm going to leave at the end of the year. So I gave myself five months to build up enough clients that I could afford to do that. But I handed in my notice. I did it. I, what's it? I, I burnt the boats, if you like. You know, I, I just put myself in a position where I had to make it work. Um, and then it's the best thing that I've ever done. Without a doubt, the best thing I've ever done because fast forward four years now, and I'm not gonna say it's all been perfect, but 
I've achieved the lifestyle now that I wanted to achieve. And I don't feel like, you know, when you do something you love, it doesn't feel like you're working at all. Um, and I'm so glad I, I took that chance. And if I'd listened to other people telling me not to do it, you know, you've got a great job. Um, you, you, you've got decent hours. It's not too demanding. Um, you've been doing it for 10 years. You know it inside out. Then I wouldn't have done it. But I just, with something was within me, said it's something that I had to do. So I did it. <laughs> and a lot of people, you know, something I said about myself is that I probably would have never gone into being a fitness professional until I was made redundant. Because once again, I was in, I was in a well-paid job. I was working abroad. wasn't particularly, you know, happy with the job itself, but it was comfortable. And the only way, you know, it, it, if that carried on, I would still be there today. And it wasn't until I was made redundant that essentially my boat was burnt for me and I had to make a decision. So even myself, I didn't have that hindsight really to go, right, I'm going to do this purely because just the way, you know, it, it, it was comfortable. Um, and then it made me, you know, the biggest pivoting point in my life was suddenly realize I'm actually... I am a person who adapts very, very quickly when shit hits the fan. You know, I can pivot, I can change. And I've, you know, I've done that time and time again uh, with my, you know, my business and career. So for a lot of people out there, I think that's very powerful because there will be people listening to this who may be in their thirties, sometimes even in their forties plus that will think to themselves, I can't do that or I'm too scared to do that or it actually you know, makes sense just to carry on playing things safe. Yeah. And so many people are in that position and only when they're forced to make a change, they do like you are. Um, but if you're actually being honest with yourself and you take that chance, then more often than not, it will work out because you're doing what you enjoy doing. And it's what I say about, toe dippers and boat burners and what i mean by that is that people dip their toes and people burn their boats and depending on the kind of person that you are depends on the kind of action that you need to take and of course you know if you have kids if you've got a mortgage and you know this that and the other like yourself it's not as if you went right i'm gonna quit now and then suddenly do this you gave yourself a good window of time in order to go right i need to do it by that time and i think some people say that they're gonna do it but they don't take the steps in order to do that. And essentially you handing in your notice was a strategic boat burn. It's like, I'm not going to burn the boat, burn the boat now, but come January the 1st, that boat, that boat, that boat is toast essentially. And I have to, I have to make it work because I'm stuck on this Island now and I need to, you know, I need to survive. And I, and I think, you know, I was in a position where my boat was taken, you know, someone else burnt my fucking boat. (laughs) It's like you bastard, <laughs> uh, as opposed to burn my own one. Um, and you know, it depends on the kind of person you are. But I think the the outcome is just to have a strategic plan of where it is that you currently are and where it is that you want to go. And don't make this a year, eighteen months, maybe you know six months, eight months. But be definitive and make sure that you're telling <clears throat> other people about it. Because if you tell you, you know, if yourself, you know, you've told somebody else, you put the paperwork in, you know, if you're just telling yourself this, you can move the goalposts a little bit and it, and it can end up not happening. Um, Make a commitment, yeah. And another thing I would, say, I would say that's really important is not to wait for the perfect set of circumstances because I had responsibilities. I, I had two kids. I had a big mortgage. Um, and they were anything but the perfect set of circumstances. But I did it anyway because if you're waiting for that, um, that opportunity, that perfect time to do it, it'll never come. So fast forward, uh, a given amount of time, when was it you actually felt, right, I've actually got some traction here and people started looking at you as, oh, okay, cool. Um, people started to realize that this is becoming a success now. Very quickly. Um, because it was in, at the end of 2015, that's, that's when I left. and then. <clears throat> at the time, my, my little side PT business was ultimate fitness. Um, and then I thought, right, if I'm going to make a career of this, I need to make some changes. So I changed to some, a name that I thought would be more memorable, the fitness guy. And within the first month, I came up with 10 Week Lean and Learn. 
because I, I very quickly got up to 40 online PT clients, which was great, but that was it. I was helping 40 people, no more. <laughs> and your income's capped at that. That's it. You've reached the ceiling there um, because you're trading your time for money. So then I thought, what's the next thing? How can I reach more people? How can we help more people? How can we grow? And I thought, there wasn't a lot of people doing online PT at the time. Um, certainly not group, online group PT. So I thought, I'm going to create a program because my, um, my niche almost found me because when I made myself much more um, visual and apparent on social media, I think it was quite refreshing at the time because the fitness industry was full of young guns who were full of extreme ideas about dieting and training. And I came in with a viewpoint that it's all about finding the balance. Here's a, a 40-something a, a guy with two kids that are, you know, growing up, as in they're not babies. Um, and I think I was more relatable to that niche, which was um, middle-aged women who can't get to the gym or don't want to go to the gym, looking for something they can do at home, don't have a lot of time because they're spreading themselves really thin. Um, so I came out with this 10-week Lean and Learn, which was a program that um, could be done from home. The meals all fitted around family life and the workouts were very quick um, and you could fit them in to, to your day. And then that really took off. It grew really quickly. Um, and that's when my Facebook page exploded. I quickly grew to over 100,000, um, got a lot of attention. And then that program just went from strength to strength. And that was me. I, I had to drop all my one-to-one -one clients. Um, and I just spent the next two to three years making 10 Week Lean and Learn better and better and better and just growing it and growing it and adding in more people, improving everything, which ultimately <laughs> resulted in a few issues further down the line. <laughs> and that's what I want to kind of get into today because I, I don't know if you've read uh, Stephen Pressfield's Do the Work. I haven't, no. I will, I will send it to you um, after this and it'll be very relatable because the book is basically about essentially any of Stephen Pressfield's books are great because what, it, what he essentially does is he capitalizes on a word for procrastination which is essentially resistance and he characterizes this word resistance as this thing that's stopping you achieving the things that you want to achieve and the and it's literally you could read the book in 45 minutes to an hour really uh, but you won't you'll, you'll spend all day because you'll be writing notes uh, and he's basically sectioned this book down into a beginning a middle and the end and the beginning is based on kind of seven principles of resistance you know there is an enemy which is resistance, which is stopping you do it. The enemy was the comfortable job that you had um, in, you know, getting well paid and, and enjoying it. Uh, the enemy is implaceable, as in, you, you know, you can't get away from it. Um, the enemy, and then number three is the enemy is inside you. So, you know, it's understanding that you're your own kind of worst enemy for it. But even though it's inside you, it's not you. So even though all these things are happening to you, you can change it. And then um, the real you must duel the resistance in you. So fight past it and, of course, make the decision. And then realizing it arises second. And then you get assistance because once you've got past that, now the things that you are doing help. So that's getting you to where you are in your business. And then you've got the middle. Now, the middle is called the big crash. And what the big crash is about is everything crashes everything um nothing can prepare you for it and crashes are hell but in the end they're good for us so that's the three fundamentals of it so we're going to get to your middle bit now steve we've got past the essentially the seven principles of resistance to get where it is that you went and then you know for for my own thing that was 2016 you know i had got over resistance for many years and then i had the big crash um, so if you could talk to us about your crash. Yeah. Um, well, my crash happened in September last year. And <clears throat> what happened with me was I never left my job to do personal training full time to grow an empire, to grow a big business. My reasons for leaving at the time were I wanted to work less. I wanted to 
have less stress. So I wanted to sleep better at night. I wanted to be more present when I was at home. I wanted to be at home more. I wanted to spend more time with my kids. And see, for, for the first couple of months, it was great. It was fantastic. That's where I was. But as the business grew and grew and grew, I got caught up in a whirlwind and ended up way down a path that I never intended to travel. Termic Lean and Learn became so big that I had a team of about 15 people. So I had lots of coaches, I had web designer, I had videographer, I had programmers, I had um, loads of different people involved in the business. I had a VA in the Philippines. And it's because I was in these circles and I was listening to podcasts and reading books from successful people. And I stopped thinking about what I wanted and why I did it. And I just got carried away. Um, and the whole time I just was searching for more and more and more to the point where there was this scary realization that I just didn't think I'd ever find that point where I reached the end, the, the, the point where I could truly be happy. I was always on this pursuit of happiness so much. I mean, you'll not see this now, but I even got a tattoo, focus, and then a target with happy in the middle because I was constantly looking for this thing that I thought would be at the end of this, this exponential growth. But I couldn't have been more wrong because what happened was I, I, I ended up moving into a unit which was in my village where I had... Um, an office and a recording studio. So I could upscale my videos, I could be more productive because I wasn't at home. Um, and I was up there for a couple of years. First year was okay, the second year, I just started to become lonely, really lonely. Working online, on my own, all day, every day. Um, I was away at eight in the morning, back late at night. I was, Still not particularly happy with what I was doing. I couldn't switch off. I was, I couldn't, I, I was completely vacant the whole time. My mind was elsewhere. I was stressed. I wasn't sleeping well. Um, and then ultimately, in September last year, was the crash, the meltdown. Everything came tumbling down because I couldn't find true happiness. And, you know, I don't, it, I don't really speak about this much because, you know, I'm not, not uncomfortable speaking about it. It's just... Um, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to, but I don't mind saying it. You know, because I couldn't find happiness, you start to look within your world and say, well, if I can't be happy with all this, what's making me unhappy? And then you start looking at, well, is it my wife? Is it my home life? And you start questioning everything around you. So the, my behavior got a little bit you know, extreme. I was drinking a bit more than I should. You know, I wouldn't ever say I had a drink problem, but a couple of glasses of wine most nights, listening to Radiohead and Pink Floyd and, you know, going into pretty, some pretty dark places. And then one of my friends, I, I actually moved out, moved out of my home because I was questioning, like, where I was going to find this happiness. Went to live with my brother for a couple of weeks. And then one of my friends... Bless her, you know, he, he basically saved me with this intervention saying, I need to see you right now. I've been noticing some erratic behavior for the last six months and I want you to go and see a doctor. So he said, I'm not leaving until you phone and make an appointment. So I did, went down. This was just, you know, I had this meltdown at the doctor and I had some mental health issues that I had to deal with. You know, I'm, I had mistaken um, ambition for what was actually a bit of depression. The reason that I couldn't find happiness, I just thought I need to, to keep being more and more, doing more and more. You know, I did things like, you know, I thought I, I need to take up golf, that'll make me happy. I need to get a tattoo sleeve, that'll make me happy. I need to learn the guitar, that'll make me happy. And just doing all of these things, and it was never there. Um, so at that point, went to the doctor, opened up, spoke about it got help, got some therapy sessions, got some medication, and realized that I needed to make some major changes in my lifestyle, moved my office back home, started doing personal training again, one-to-one -one PT, full, full circle, and took, took about three months off social media completely, because that was a major issue, big part of it. 
was the comparison to others, the, the, the stress of creating content. Life was about content. It wasn't about living. It was about creating content. You know, the kids were doing something on holiday, jumping in the pool, and instead of just sitting back enjoying that for me, you'd get your phone out, oh, Blake, do it again so I can capture the perfect boomerang. And you're taking photos of all your meals, and you're, without even knowing it or realizing it, you're not living your life. You're, li you're living your life for others. And all the stuff I was doing, was I doing it just for content or to make me happy? Or what was I doing it for? I don't even know now that I look back. So that was the crash for me. Um, and then I took the rest of the year off social media and learned to be at peace with just doing nothing and just sitting with my thoughts and, and being with my family and watching Netflix and doing all the things that normal people do that I used to criticize. And oh, what a waste of your evening going home and sitting watching the soaps and... You know, me and my brother are very different. And, and according to my parents, I was always the go-getter. And, oh, Richie, why can't you be more like Steve? And, but, and I used to question why my brother, you know, wasn't like me. And now, now that I'm thinking differently, I look and say, well, he's the one that had it sussed. He's the one that is happy with his life. He goes home at the end of the day and he has nothing to worry about until he goes back to work. And... Is that successful or is successful the person who's got this multi-million pound business who never can switch off? There's no right or wrong. We're all different. So for me, Jamie, that was, that was the big crash. And I'm happy to say I've come out the other end. Um, and I'm in a much better place now. And I'll be honest, it's had a lot to do with lockdown. Um, and again, I'm a bit uncomfortable speaking about it that way because lockdown's been terrible for so many people. Um, but personally, it's, it's one of the best things that could have happened for, for me personally and my relationships with my family and my mental health and my business. Um, so I'm happy to report that as we speak now, I'm in a much, much better place. And that, that leads me to the final thing about the big crash. Um, and it was a crash means we have to grow. And it's a realization that the thing that got you where you are today won't get you where you need to be tomorrow. In order to find the balance, you need to take it to both extremes of doing too much in order to understand where that is. And of course, you know, your growth doesn't come from adding things to your list. It comes from taking it away. You know, my crash was essentially December 2016. Once again, I moved out from my home. I uh, was drinking very heavily every night. Um, not knowing, you know, just completely numb for three or four months, um, just trying to figure out what on earth I was doing. You know, I had the most successful year in business in 2016 and I was just miserable. I was like, how can I have ticked every single box that I ever wanted to do and be miserable? And it was realizing that I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I wanted to, you know, I was like, right, in order for me to now do this, but twice as much, I need to work twice as much. I need to sacrifice the people around me um, and really just probably do this on my own because that's the only way that I'm going to have enough time to do the things I want to do. And it was a realization that actually, no, you know, you're trying to do five, three or four or five people's work when actually you just need to do the, the thing that you're next level at and allow other people to do that. And actually the reason that you're doing this for is for your family and spend more time with them. Yet you'll jump on a Skype or a chat, to a stranger for 45 minutes, but you won't spend 10 minutes speaking to your wife and see how her day was. Yeah. And, and it was very much where I had to, you know, I, I was unfortunately getting rewarded for all of this engagement and stuff like that I was doing. I was, you know, on my phone all the time doing ridiculous amounts of content and, you know, I still do a ridiculous amount of content, but that phone's off at 8 PM. It doesn't come back on again till the next day. Um, you know, I, I head off to a spa on a Thursday and, and most weekends I have off and, you know, we're just about to um, build a new studio, um, which is around the corner. And I've already said to the team and everybody, my working day is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays and Fridays. Um, so I don't work Thursdays. I don't work weekends, bar one weekend a month. So, and you know, I finish work at that time. So if I can't do the work, somebody else has to do it. And I've just been clear with the team and if they can't do it, then I need to find somebody else or hire somebody else to do it. And I want to build a lifestyle business that gives me that. Um, 
It takes a lot of discipline to stick to that, though, mate. Um, I used to do that. My, I, I tried to take a Wednesday off, um, particularly when all your mates are working on Wednesday. Um, I found myself golfing on my own or, you know, and it wasn't particularly, and you would just end up working. Um, so if you can stick to that, then it's great. Because I was telling myself these things during this time, but inevitably I would just go back to working. Yeah, and I've had a lot of experiment with it. You know, like it was uh, two, 2019 last year was the biggest thing test for me and why I wanted to write the book at the end of it because I did more in business, in personal life in 2019 than 2016. Essentially, I built a business from scratch, wrote a new book, did a crazy charity event, um, did everything that I did in 2016, apart from I had every weekend off, had Thursdays off, and had three weeks holiday in Australia at the end. Um, and it was just like, right, okay, so you can achieve more in half the time. And and that was the real, real uh, yeah, last year was a real realization that I can do this because I think until you can prove to yourself that you can, yeah. you know, it's like why I, why I have no problem whatsoever coming off social media after 8 p.m., is this, I remember when I, the first week that I did it, and this is probably the best thing that can happen to you to start any good habit. The first week that I, I committed to being off my phone after 8 p.m. was the hardest week ever, but on a Wednesday, um, 9 p.m., something kicked off in my group. And you know those, you, you have your groups where you you see it and it ends up being, probably end up ends up being deleted, but it's about 100, 150 comments thick. I would be the person that would be like, Saying to Anna, Anna, you know, my wife would be like, 11 o'clock at night, what, what are you in this group for? I'm just calming everybody down, calming everybody down. Um, and I'd probably be up till midnight, wouldn't get much sleep about it because I, you know, gave a shit. But my, my first week, I was off at eight. Something kicked off at nine. 150 odd comments later, I got back on my phone at 8 a.m. the next day and it had all been resolved. There you go. And, it, and that was the best thing to happen because it just showed me because I said, imagine if you didn't have the 8 p.m. deadline. Imagine, like, you are refreshed. It's been sorted. It's all good. It didn't need your input. It was all resolved. And that's why you're off your phone at 8. Yeah. And that just instantly solidified why you should not be on social media after 8 p.m. There is no point whatsoever for your physical and mental benefit for doing that. Yeah, but you can... totally agree. Totally agree. What what I do, I mean, you'll not be able, the listeners will not be able to see this, but my home office is now set up in my kitchen. And what I do is, and what I'm going to do right after we finish this is on a Friday afternoon, this computer goes away. It goes away. I, I unplug it, I put it away, and it goes away till Monday morning. So there is no temptation to actually just jump on and just you know that that instinctive reaction just to go and check your social media or anything check out your emails or anything that you just do without thinking it's gone it's gone and you're right the amount of time the amount of things that happen when you're not there and then you go back and it's resolved it's incredible yeah and i was on it you jump in and you 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 react you get triggered yeah and and i think as well it sometimes spending time away is a realization of a how much people around you, if you do have people that work for you or, or have the jobs, um, how, how much they can actually cope without you and or B, the fact that you haven't actually trained anybody to do that and now you need to do it. Because, you know, some of the mistakes I've made is go, why hasn't someone done that? Well, we don't know, Jamie, because we're not psychic because you do that. And it's like, yeah, but I can teach you that. I'm like, yeah, well, you haven't, te- you haven't taught us. So fucking teach us. Um, so it's, it's that, that art of delegation as well. So, like fast forward and then say, how has your kind of business changed with the the kind of the day to day running with regards to delegating things out with regards to, you know, clar- you know, because of course w- having clients online, you in order for you to have those things in place, you need to be honest with your clients. You need to set the boundaries in there, and also a lot of coaches struggle with that because I think one of the biggest things that a lot of fitness professionals struggle with is that they want to deliver the best amount of value to the clients and customers. And unfortunately, they think that that comes from being available all of the time. And of course, it's not because you're not at your best all of the time. So how have you managed to kind of do that 
system in place with, with your own business to allow you to have the time which you deserve off? First thing I did was, <clears throat> and it sounds completely, um, that it would have the opposite effect was, I scaled down my team massively. Now, there is, there's me and my wife, Jodie, and we've got three coaches, three fantastic coaches who, one of them, her role is to, um, to manage the groups. So that, I, I looked at what are the things that are pulling me away from my family and, and eating up my time and causing me stress and keeping me up at night. Um, and it was crystal clear that I needed to have somebody that was in, the, in my groups. Um, so she does that. And my other two coaches are specialist coaches, one in female health and one in, is a life coach. Um, and that's it. So we have now a team, a core team of five people. Because I was finding having, um, you would think that the more people you've got, the more you can delegate, the less you do. But it depends on the type of person you are. I've never been good at delegation. Bit of a control freak, so passionate about my brand and my business. And I ended up spending more time trying to manage the people to do the things that I was doing myself. Um, so I've pulled that all in. Um, I have streamlined the tools that I use. So I now use one thing to do my graphics. I've taken control of my website using a, the ClickFunnels software. Um, and everything is just much, much simpler now. Um, they, my clients know, they've been with me for a long time, they know that I'm only available at certain times, but they're still going to get an answer from the other coach who's in the groups. Um, and Jodie, my wife, we, we alternate the times that we work because we've got two kids and we've got two dogs and we've got a busy household, so it's difficult that we can both work together. Um, so I'll switch off in the evening and then she's okay to, to pick up any inquiries or messages or anything in the evening. So the service hasn't dropped, the service is, is improved, um, but it's just allowed me the freedom to um, enjoy the downtime that I should be. And I, and I think a lot of people feel guilty about that downtime um, because they just forget that stress plus rest equals growth. And a lot of people forget the rest part and they think, you know, there is a law of diminishing returns with so many things. More is never better, uh, especially when it comes to work and especially when it comes, you can over deliver too much yeah. um, to clients because then they have a high expectation because they compare the price that they're paying with the promise that you're giving them. And if you can't keep up that promise, then the, the, this, they think it's not worth the price. And this, this so much accounts for so many things, especially with, you know, like a, a, a mid price product or a, a lower monthly product. It's, you know, yeah. you, you want to give the value, but the value comes from you being fully recharged, fully in the zone to be able to deliver something exponential, not necessarily being there, you know, all of the time. And, um, you know, there's so many kind of an analogies I can come up with with that, but you just got to have a look, you know, it's common sense, but unfortunately it's just not common practice and something needs to break in order to fix it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the story that keeps coming to mind is the, and I'm sure I saw you post about this as well. I read it somewhere, the, the Mexican fishermen. Yeah. Which is so relevant for, for what I've gone through the last five years. Cause when I first left, um, the gym and I was working from home I was everything was perfect I was get I didn't have to set my alarm in the morning I got up when I woke up I went out for a walk I would go and have my lunch in the village cafe I would um, have periods where I was working and, and everything was exactly how I but wanted it to be but very quickly like I'll compare the the, the, the businessmen to the circles that I was keeping in social media and the people that I was comparing myself to dragged me down this path um, grew the business to the point where all I was trying to do was to get back to where I started, <laughs> get back to getting up when I wanted to get up and, and never missing a sports day or a Christmas show with my kids. And these are the reasons that I did it, not to build a, a, a fitness guy empire. It was at the point where I would go out and, you know, Aberdeen's quite a small place and I would go out, I'd go to the cinema with, with Jodie and then you'd get tapped on the shoulder, hey, TFG. And that's certainly not what I wanted. 
you know, it's, it's flattering and I always was, was very polite and really appreciate people taking the time to say, hey, I'm on your program. You know, you've, um, it's, been re- it's been great. You know, I've done, I've achieved all this. But at the same time, it's the last thing that I was wanting. Um, so that's why it did require to scale it down and completely change the way that we were doing everything. And it's, it's knowing what you want from life as well, you know, it, and it's being realistic. And for those of you who don't know what the Mexican fisherman story is, it's basically a, an analogy and a, well, a parable about a businessman goes on holiday, sees this uh, fisherman come back with some of the most amazing fish he's ever seen, um, starts to inquire about it. And he goes, well, what do you do? And he goes, well, I'll just go out fishing for a couple of hours, come back, um, you know, feed. Um, I have enough for myself and to sell some at the market to make some money, go back, play with the kids, spend uh, dinner with the wife in the evening. Um, and then I go to bed and do it all again. And he's like, well, you don't want to do that. You want to get more boats, more this, more that. And and he's like, oh, cool. Really? Why is that? And he goes, oh, well, cause then you can, you know, you can move it to another part, you know, a richer part and then you can scale it up. Oh, cool. And then what? And he's like, and then what you can do is float it on the market. Um, sell some shares and then one he goes and then you can do what you like you can you know fish fish every now and again you can go and play with your kids and you can you know uh, go for some meals with your wife and then take some time off it's like hmm, well pretty much like what i do now um great story i love it and and it's and it's just understanding what you know one of the reasons that we get into this business and i'm going to call it a business because i'm going to get back to that is because we want to create a life of freedom for for ourselves we don't want to work for somebody else we don't want to be told what to do and where to be and this is the nature of a business you as a you as the fitness guy people like people aren't walking onto a virgin aircraft and going hey where's richard so he's on his island he's on his island managing all his other businesses but the fitness guy and yourself doesn't need to be all about you. It's about what it is that you can do. It's about the, the, the team and the seal of approval of you, uh, you know, people having the confidence that regardless of what is being delivered, they're going to get results. And that's what you as a business is all about because you're in this, you're in the business to solve problems, but also to have the freedom to go, actually, once I know how this works, somebody else can do it. And actually you having, you know, like, a lot of employees, they have to go to the right person to speak to the CEO. They can't just walk straight up to that person and go, I, I need t- half an hour of your time. There's a process to that. And it, you should be looking at your business like that too. Um, and some people don't look at themselves as a business. Even if you are a, a self-employed personal trainer, you're going to get to a stage where you're going to have to get help unless you know you are saying to yourself, I'm happy to earn that much money. I'm happy to work that much and then i'm happy to do that but you need once again you need to be clear on what that is from you know a financial point of view and from a lifestyle point of view because you know you you are essentially if it's one-to-one coaching you are essentially in the business of exchanging time for money and there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever just as long as you're getting enough money for the time in which you're doing it yeah and that point you made there has been clear about what you want is probably, in my experience over the last five years, is the most important thing that, that you can think about before you really get going. Is what, what, do you, what do you really want? Not what you think you should be doing, but what is it that you want? Because um, it's easy to lose sight of that, very easy. And if you do want growth, then yeah, you're absolutely right. You need to think of yourself as the, the, the CEO of a business. Um, and you can't do everything yourself and you've only got so much time in the day and you need to transition from delivery to, to management of your product and service. Yeah. And, and of course it's working on your business rather than in, in it. And um, you know, that is such an important thing because you, if you spend too much time in your business, it doesn't grow. Um, something else that you said there with regards to hanging around with people playing a bigger level than you, something that I, heard was actually from a ufc wrestler called frank shamrock and it was this kind of 33 percent rule and it was that you should spend a third of your time with people playing a bigger game than you third of your time with people on the same level as you and third of your time with people that you can help and unfortunately where things break down is that people spend too much time helping people or too much time with people playing a bigger game because if you are spending too much time helping people, you don't help yourself. And if you spend too much time with people playing a bigger game, you, you become overwhelmed 
and you forget that there are many other people in you know much worse situations uh, than you're in you know when i have personal trainers complaining that they're only earning 10 grand a month it kind of makes you want to bite your lip a little bit and like how many people are you talking to that are playing a bigger game than you yeah you not understand that you're probably in the top one percent of the world of personal trainers that earns that get some perspective about you and stop hanging around with the people playing a higher game start talking to people who need your help and most importantly spend time with people um you know that are on the same level that that are challenging you and i say on the same level i mean if you're on that level you're pretty high up anyway but it's just having that perspective of knowing where your time is being spent, especially, you know, we're not talking personal time here. We're talking business time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's because when you do hang around with too many people on that higher level, then that's where you've got some serious potential for it all to go wrong. And, and it's, and it's also knowing that you might only be on chapter two and three and they're probably on chapter 11 and 12 and, you have yet to go through those chapters because you haven't, you've got another 15 years to do that and you're being impatient. Uh, and I think so many people are very impatient, you know, like someone was, you know, I was having a chat with someone today and they're like, Oh, well, you know, you're, you're this, you're that. I'm like, I didn't start yet. I'm not, I, ne- I don't look at myself as done. I look at myself as I'm, I'm 35 years of age. I'm, and I've probably, I've got another 50 years on this planet. So you know, I've got plenty of time to start building stuff. So I need to be very, very, very patient. And Yeah, and p- people don't see that, do they? The, the, what people saw when my business grew was the fitness guy went from zero to 100,000 followers in six months. But what they didn't see was the seven years of ultimate fitness that went before that, of me working all day, coming home, training clients in the evenings and at weekends. Graphing flat out for seven years before this apparent spike that came from nowhere. Um, But you don't see that, do you? You don't see that. You know, there's a great visual where you only see the tip of the iceberg, eh? Not you don't see everything that's underneath. Yeah, I always have to be be like bamboo. Because when you plant bamboo, it takes three to five years to sprout from the ground. But when it does, um, some species of bamboo can grow up to 80 feet in six weeks. And it's not that it wasn't growing for the last three to five years, but in order for something to grow, you know, 80 feet, 90 feet in six weeks, it needs a very solid foundation. So actually what was actually happening, although you can't see what is being, you know, planted, rest assured that there is a big, load of work going on underneath in order for an exponential growth and i love that because i just say to people just be like bamboo it's like you're you're a year into this you're if you sprout up now you're going to topple over because you have not got a strong enough foundation for that growth and i've seen this time and time again you know people say to you know i've got a hell of a lot of clients now like how do you manage it i'm just like eight years of doing this i you know i had to have my crash and break to have the systems in place to be able to deal with it and also you know specific adaptation to impose demands you know my demands that i've had of myself and my business i've I've just got better over time because essentially that's what you do yeah me too the, the first couple of years i was never off facebook because we we delivered the program through facebook which is probably while we're on the subject another good point to make is that don't build your business on rented land because I was massively impacted by the change in algorithm that happened in January 2017, was it? Um, I went from 300 to 400 new clients a month to 50. Overnight, when Zuckerberg turned the switch and says, we're going back to our friends and family platform. Um, But anyway, I digress there. My point was... Um, for two years, I was never off of Facebook, um, just constant because my programs, all the content, everything's in there. So all questions were asked and it was just me and Jody. We were taking on new clients, but it was a struggle. And then I used a platform called Kajabi to, to host the program, which is one of the best things we've ever done because what it now is, is it's the, the program is always there. And as people go through it, 
they, they watch the videos, they read the, um, they read the text, and they can ask questions underneath. And the questions sit there forever, the questions and the answers. So the next lot of people coming through doing the program, they might be watching this video thinking I've got a question here, and then they see the question and the answer underneath. So as time goes by, the amount of questions and the amount of work you have to do actually answering people is less and less. So it's a great system to have in place if you can have a platform where the work is getting done for you as, as you're selling it to clients and as clients are going through it. Because I was even having to, every time I did a new group, a new 10-week Lean and Learn, upload all the content every time. I was on buffer constantly, scheduling all this stuff. And it was just a huge amount of work, but you don't know, do you? You don't know the systems that are out there. You don't know the smarter, more productive ways to do things unless you are speaking to people that are maybe a bit smarter or have been in the game a bit longer than you who can give you tips. So it is really important to be in these groups and these circles, but not get carried away by what people are achieving. Be in them for the right reasons. Yeah, and I, and I think... No, there's, there's two ways of learning. Do, go through it yourself or learn from the mistakes of others. And I think one of the hardest things to do is to listen to other people's mistakes and try not to make them because you haven't got that emotional pain point of reference. And that's where the real education comes from. You know, being back in that situation and going, oh, it's a little bit too close. And then having the emotional ability to rein it back in because you know where that thing leads um so it is difficult but you know success leaves clues and as long as you are spotting what those clues are will enable you hopefully not to make them so Steve, i just want to finish on getting three tips from yourself based on your experience with with building the online business what you would recommend three tips wise for people looking to scale and grow their business online? What would be the three fundamentals for you now? Uh, the, the first one would be to know exactly why you're doing it before you get carried away or before you start creating something that you, you don't really want to create. And ask yourself, do you really want to be online or do you just think you should be? Because there's, there's going to be a huge, uh, a huge gap in the market for really good face-to-face -face personal trainers. Um, because everybody wants to be online. So be crystal clear about what your goals are. Um, I would say another one would be just, and this sounds, um, again, it, it sounds like it's something you shouldn't do, but sell a product first before creating it. <laughs> um, that's what I did with 10 Week Lean and Learn. That's what I did with my new program, the 14 Day Fat Furnace, which is, has been fantastic speak to people and see what's out there test the water do polls on facebook and instagram ask people how they're feeling what they want i did that with with um, the, the fat furnace i just asked a few questions i did a post saying i've gained six kilos during lockdown but i'm okay with that because i've also gained all this other positive stuff and the response I got back was, oh, yeah, me too. I just need some motivation. I need a kickstart. So then I created the 14-day fat furnace, start, started selling it, and then created the program. Again, it's going back to this people waiting for the perfect set of circumstances before they get started. There will never, there will never be that perfect opportunity. So just do it. Um, and the third one would be um, probably... Don't be scared to put yourself out there and try everything once. There's so much to run in an online business. You need to be a marketer. You need to be a graphic designer. You need to be uh, some, you know, an amateur videographer. You need to, um, you need to be a, a copywriter. All these things, try them all and see what you enjoy and see what you're good at. And the ones that you're good at, make that your bread and butter. For me, it's making home workout videos. I love it. Love it, mate. I told you just before we came online, I've just filmed three workouts today and I've had a great morning. You know, good tunes, 
uh, jumping about in my kitchen, love it. That's what I love to do. And if I was to do nothing else, it would be that. So build your business around that, what you love and what you're best at. And the stuff that you try and you really don't want to do, then if it's essential, get somebody else to do it. But ask yourself, is it really essential? And if it's not, don't do it. You know, don't compare yourself to other people that are doing different things that you're not comfortable with. If you've, if you've not got thick skin, don't be a James Smith or a, the fitness chef. I think you've had them both on this, who put stuff out there that is massively controversial. And it's great for, it's not controversial, it's just polarizing, I should say. Um, and it's great for growth, for social media growth. But at the same time, I know Graham well, and he put on that post about Beyonce's diet and the, the beehive attacked him. And he's okay with that. For me personally, not a chance. I, I, I just, I couldn't put myself through it. So yeah, that would be the third thing. It's just be, stay in your lane, but don't be scared to dip your toe in the water in other areas. <laughs> yeah, and I love the, um, the second one as well, especially when it comes to procrastination. If no one's bought your product yet, then it's very hard to get it complete. But if someone's paid money for something that hasn't yet been built, you watch how quick you build it. Yeah. Well, I, um, I, I did the 14-day fat furnace a, a couple of months ago. And some of the feedback, which is another tip, actually, ask for feedback and adapt your stuff to suit. You never know unless you ask. So have um, survey monkey forms um, and just ask the question. I asked the question to my group that there was just short of 2,000 people in, saying, what could have been better? And a lot of them were a bit taken aback by the intensity of the workouts. There's one workout a day for 14 days. And my style of workout is it's tough. But I detracted a lot of um, people that weren't at that level yet and were asking for um, some lower intensity workouts. So what I've done this time is, I've said, okay, every day you're going to get a choice of two, a high or a low intensity workout. Um, so I've given myself, the program starts a week on Monday. Um, so I've given myself that time to film 14 workouts. <laughs> but I've promised it. It's there. It's on the sales page. Choose from a high or low workout. Two workouts every day. And I've filmed six in the last three days. You know, three back to back today after doing a live workout this morning. If there wasn't, uh, if I hadn't promised it, and if I hadn't put a time scale on it, I would not have done it. <laughs> yeah, and and it's same same with me. You know, like the first, some of my best ever products have come to just putting a deadline and saying you will have that at that time. Uh, I think it's Parkinson's law: uh, a task will take as long as the time in which you give it to create. And uh, some of us, you know, one thing that we're very good at is letting ourselves down. Um, but so yeah, we, we're very good at letting ourselves down, but one thing that we hardly ever do is let other people down, yeah. especially ones that are paying us. Absolutely. So, so great, great bomb to finish on. But, um, Steve, as always, I, I appreciate you uh, as an individual. I appreciate the work that you do. Um, keep up the good work and, uh, thank you ever so much for coming on the train podcast. Thank you for having me, mate. I hope it's been useful and I really enjoyed catching up.